Hey, by the double doors, there are two metal desks. And I'm talking about like old. Like older than when I was in school. Okay, so really old desks over there. Solid metal heavy desks. If you're interested in them, because you want to put one out in a shop or use it for target practice or whatever, they're out there. If nobody is interested in them, Monday they will not be there any longer. Okay, so two of them right out here. There's a couple things on top of them that are just need to go. Um, there's an old, um, there's an old uh, soundboard uh, back there, and then those glorious lights that we used to have right here in the middle, they're back there as well. So um, they are all going bye-bye. So if you're interested in any of that, it is back there. If you're interested and can't get it, let me know, and um, I won't take it away. But if nobody says anything to me, don't ask me where they are Wednesday night, okay, because they're going to be they're going to be gone. So, um, but if you're interested in those, those are over there uh, in, in the kids' wing over here by the offices right there at the door uh, for anybody interested. Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter number 3. Uh, this is, uh, begins chapter 2, uh, begins the second part of the outline of the book of Revelation, and that is the things that are. So these are letters uh, to the churches. And uh, this, chapter number 3, begins the letter to Sardis, the chapter before uh, covered uh, Thyatira, the chapter, or later on in chapter 3, speaks of Philadelphia, but these are the churches... Uh, that uh, God speaks to. If you have a study Bible and it's a red letter edition, you'll notice that all these words are in red. Uh, That's because these are words that Jesus is speaking to the churches and the things that uh, need to be said and the things that need to be understood today by the church. Uh, We have got to get a grip and get a hold of what God wants for the church. Not what the government wants for the church or what the media wants for the church or what the world wants for the church, but what God wants for the church. That's what we're going to answer for. Uh, That's who we're going to answer to is God one day. And so Jesus here speaking to the church uh, at Sardis says this uh, in verse number 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, and I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. I want you to know something, whether he's talking about a group of people or he's talking about an individual. God knows you. He knows your works. He knows what you do. He knows what you say. He knows where you go. God knows all 
things. That's omniscience. That's where God is. God is omniscient. That means He knows everything. There is nothing you can get by with with God. Now, you might be able to trick the preacher, and you might be able to trick your family, and you might be able to trick your spouse, you might be able to trick people, but you can't trick God because God sees and knows all things. And so He knows your works. So let me tell you what we're, what we're experiencing in Christianity today. Let me, let me tell you what we're experiencing. We're experiencing the Sardis Syndrome. Let's look at it again. He says this, that thou hast a name that thou livest, but you're dead. The name that thou livest, but you're dead. Now, obviously he's not talking about this physical. In the physical, you're dead or you're alive. I mean, there's, you know, there's no, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. I mean, you're either, you're either alive or you're in the grave. And so uh, there's, there's, no, there, there's no in-between, okay? So what is he talking about? He's talking about spiritually. And I can tell you right now, we talk a big talk, but we don't generally walk a big walk. I'm telling you, we say that we're Christian. We say that we believe. We say that we're not afraid. We say that we're good Christians. We say, we say, we say, we say. And I'll tell you something. Sometimes people, all they do is talk. Yak, 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 yak. We talk about, I mean, we joke about it all the time. Uh, 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 brother, uh, brother Scott Gordy, he, uh, he helped me with my um, air conditioning. And uh, after he helped me with my air conditioning in my, in my enclave, and it was, it was, you know, it was, it was complicated. I mean, the, the, the thing that you plug it into is way down there by the filter. It was just, just really complicated. Well, after we got it done, I said, listen, I could do any air conditioning now for any car, for any vehicle. I've got it. I'm an air conditioning expert. And we laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh about that. Why? Because I probably couldn't do it to that vehicle again, let alone some other vehicle. He'd come over to the house in, uh, one, after, uh, one afternoon and, and made a, a, a low country bowl. Man, I love me. Some low country bowl. I mean, you got the sausage. I like the sausage better than the shrimp. I mean, I just absolutely love the low country bowl. And he, and he come over and had all the ingredients he wanted to show me. He said, I said, listen, you don't never have to come over again. Because now I am an expert on low country bowl. I promise you, I can't even remember step one. But we joke about it. You know, all I got to do is one time and, and, and now I've got, I mean, I have absolutely got it down. All talk. I can talk about how much of a mechanic I am. And, and by the way, when something happens with my car, I pop the hood. That's what you're supposed to do, right? I mean, it's the first thing you're supposed to do is pop the hood. So what do I do? <laughs> it takes me five minutes to find where I have to pop the hood. You know, where's that thing again? And, and, I, go underneath, and I go underneath the hood. I even got a flashlight. Got one of those hanging ones, too. Hang it up. Somebody drives by, they think, man, he's working on his own car. No, he's not. You, you, can, you can look the part. And you can talk the part. 
that doesn't mean you are the part. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, I can pop the hood and I can look underneath that thing and man, I can just start, I can put my hand down into the, I, I don't put it very far because I have no idea what can shock you and what can eat you alive. I have no idea and so I don't, I don't hardly mess it. I don't even like to change the battery because I'm afraid I'm going to get shocked. And so I, I but I can, but, but I can look down there and look, you know, look like I know what I'm doing. I can, I can find, I can learn a few terms. Right? I can, I can talk about Things that, listen, uh, I'm I'm certain it's the transmission. I don't even know where the transmission is. I I would be hard-pressed to find the dipstick to check the transmission fluid. I mean, it'd take me 15 minutes to find it. But man, I can can talk about it, right? I can make it sound. You know, I know a lot of medical terms. I'm in the hospital all the time. I hear people tell me all the time, well, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and, I, and I've heard this term, and I use this term, and man, I can make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. But I promise you, you don't want me working on you, medically. You just don't, you just don't want it. Just because I can talk the part, I can, I can, I can, I can put on the, the doctor's uniform, I can put on whatever, and make myself look like something that I'm not. I'm telling you, that's what's happening in Christianity today. We talk in the part. We even look in the part sometimes. But man, if you take a deeper look, they're, they're, they're the farthest thing from Christian. They're the, they're the farthest thing from what a believer is. They look like they're alive, but they're dead. That's what, that's what, that's what the problem with Sardis was. Listen to what Jesus says they need to do. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. That are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. I'd said, listen, Jesus said, I'll sweep in. And by the way, he talks about these candlesticks. You know what he says? You know what he says in here? Let me let me give you let me give you the Joe Joe Springer version. I'll come in there and snuff you out. God, but God is a God of love, and God is God. You better read Revelation again, because God's going to send judgment. God has sent judgment. God will continue to send judgment. And He's going to send ultimate judgment coming during the tribulation period. And God said, if you don't straighten yourself up, if you don't get yourself right, do you realize God says that if you're, if you're not doing what you should be doing and you're not doing the things that I've called you to do, I can shorten your life? We don't talk about those things, do we? We just, we just talk about how God is long-suffering with us and God is patient with us. And He is, don't get me wrong, and don't misunderstand me. But sooner or later, judgment is coming. And we can only, listen, we can only not believe for so long. We can only not repent for so long. We can only uh, be afraid for so long before God says, listen, 
Do you remember? Do you remember what God told Moses? Just say the word, Moses. Look it up. Just say the word, Moses. I'll wipe the whole people out. I'll wash my hands of the whole group. Start all over. Just me and you, Moses. Can you imagine how tempting that would be? I got, I got a list. You can keep these ones. But here, here's a list of the ones that you know you can get rid of. God, I'll be okay with that. You know what God? You know what Moses was concerned about? Let me tell you what Moses was concerned about. He was concerned about God's testimony. He was, he was concerned about how it would look before other people. But let me tell you something. God said, I'll wipe them off. These disobedient people. I'm tired of it. And I'll, I'll take them out. God said that. And here in the New Testament, He says uh, to these churches, He said, I'll put out your candlestick. We need to straighten up. We need to strengthen the things that remain. We talked about, it's been a couple weeks now, but we talked about the fact that we need to remember. We need to remember God's love, God's letter, God's longing. Remember we talked about uh, studying God's Word, standing on God's Word, speaking God's Word. We talked about uh, uh, God's love and redemption, God's love and relationships. We have got to, we've got to remember. We've got to remember how good God is. But we also have to remember that God is a God of wrath and a God of judgment as well. You just can't, listen, you just can't get away over and over and over and over again. Sooner or later, sooner or later, you're going to get caught. Sooner or later, it's going to find you out. And God gives us warning after warning after warning to remember Him. I want to talk about the second thing this morning. Not only do we, if we're going to strengthen the things that remain, do we need to remember, but then we need to receive. We need to receive. Look with me in verse number 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. How thou hast received and heard. We need to remember, but then we need to receive. What do we need to receive? Well, let me tell you what we need to receive. We need to receive uh, His blessing. We need to receive His blessing. Look with me back in the Psalms. Back in the Psalms. The very, the very first Psalm. Psalm number 1. Listen, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." The ungodly are not so. Understand this. There's a difference between the two. And if you're a Christian, and you're a born-again believer, you ought not be counted in the world or with the ungodly. Because there's a difference between the ungodly and the blessed. Listen what he says in Psalm 1. 
the ungodly are not so. Those things that you saw in those first three verses are not so with the ungodly. They're like chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I said, you, you better be careful. We live, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. Do you understand that? I mean, we're here, and God has got us here for such a time as this. But that don't mean that we are to intermingle and mix ourselves with the world. We're not supposed to look like the world and act like the world and talk like the world and then call ourselves Christian. It's not how that works. We need to back up our talk with a walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to receive His blessing. And be careful. I'm not talking about some kind of charismatic thing. I'm talking about some kind of extra, extra blessing that, that those that, uh, that, that receive the Holy Spirit... Listen to me. When you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came and dwelt you, live inside of you, and He is with you always. Holy Spirit is. Okay, so when we receive the blessing, what I'm talking about by blessing is, let me tell you what I'm, what I'm talking about. Number one, the blessing of salvation. Just because you come to church don't mean you're saved. Just because you're Baptist doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you've been baptized, just because you've been confirmed, just because you hold a membership in a church doesn't make you saved. When the rapture of the church happens, and by the way, it's going to happen. How do you know it's going to happen, preacher? Because God said so. That's the only thing I need, by the way. I don't need no scientific proof. I don't need any other uh, uh, collaborating uh, evidence. Listen, God said it, and that settles it for me. So it's going to happen. And when it happens, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be with the Lord, and so shall we be with the Lord forever and ever. Okay? Fact. But I want you to know another fact. Not everybody's going. Do you hear me? Not everybody's going. If a preacher tells you that everybody on this earth is going up in the rapture, they're a liar, 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 or deceiver. Why? Because only those that are in Christ will go up in the rapture. Everybody else will be left. And let me tell you something about the tribulation period. I'm I'm not up here to make you happy or to make you like me. I'm just up here to tell you the truth. So, the, the dirty looks don't, don't, don't bother me, just to let you know. Um, so, nobody's giving me a dirty look right now. Well, some of you are now, but you weren't before. But listen, so, so, so when, they get, when, we get, when we get raptured out of here, there's going to be people left. Understand something very clearly. I want you to understand something very clear that is never preached and is very misunderstood. People say, well, that's okay, because during the tribulation period, people will be saved. Is that true? Yes. Matter of fact, Revelation said there'll be multitudes. There'll be multitudes that'll be saved. But I'm here to tell you, the scripture also says those that have already heard will not have an opportunity during the tribulation to be saved. 
God Himself, the Bible says, will send strong delusions and they'll believe a lie. This idea that the rapture happens and we go, oh my goodness, it's time, I better get saved now, is not biblical. Makes for a good novel, but it's not biblical. It's, it's, not, it's not scriptural. So will people be able to be saved during the tribulation period? Those that have never been saved will. And by the way, the tribulation period, guess what? It's for the Jew. Read it again. God deals with His chosen people. That's why I preach so often that we are not an extension of spiritual Israel. We don't take Israel's place. God is not done with Israel. He will deal with Israel again and primarily again in the tribulation period. Because God's peculiar people won't be here. We're going, we're going to be gone. We've, we've, we've left this place. There's going to be things that are happening there at the same time that are happening here. You see, the tribulation will be happening here. God will be dealing with His chosen people. And all sorts of things will be happening during the tribulation period. Up there in heaven, God's going to be dealing with the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's going to be dealing with the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ that Christians are going to stand before. That's going to be happening in heaven simultaneously with the things that are happening here on earth. But I want you to understand something. If you're not saved, whether, you are, if, whether you're sitting here or you're listening by live stream this morning, if you're not saved, you're playing a very dangerous game. Very dangerous. Why? Because, let me tell you, let me tell you the, the theological word for, for the rapture of the church. It is imminent. It means it can happen at any moment, at any time. You ever see, you ever, you ever read about bad storms? You ever experienced a bad storm? Like everything is fine, then all of a sudden, boom, it's here. A tornado comes through, a hurricane comes through, and, and they try to track them, and they try the best they can, and meteorologists do the, the best they can, and they got storm trackers and all these people. But I would tell you something. When those things come, sometimes they come with no warning at all. What did Jesus say? I'm going to come with no warning. You better be ready. You better have received the blessing of salvation. Jesus Christ made sure that you had a way to get to heaven. Because in and of yourself, you had no way. Sin had broken the relationship between you and God. Between mankind and God. When Adam sinned and Adam and Eve plunged the entire human race into sin. Understand this, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one. None of us. We've all missed a mark. This idea that you're a good person is hogwash. It's hogwash. The goodness that we have in us is all of God. Because our righteousnesses are filthy rags. That's what the scripture says. And I want you to know something, that if you're not saved, you don't know Christ, you're saved, you're separated from God. And there is a great gulf fixed. And there's nothing you can accomplish. You can try to be as good as you want to be. You can get baptized every day for the rest of your life. And I'm going to tell you something, all you're doing is getting wet. That's it. 
Baptism never saved anybody. Church membership never saved anybody. Good works never saved anybody. Because ask this question. Have you ever asked, your que- asked this question about good works? How much good works? How much good works does it take for you to be saved? Is it one good work? Is it ten good works? What if you did 50 bad works? Do you have to do 51 good works to get in? I mean, what's the standard? We don't know the standard because there isn't one. There's no way you could do enough good works to overcome your bad works. It was a great day in my life when I figured that one out. Because I knew, listen to me, I knew without any preacher telling me that I had no hope. No hope. In and of myself, I had no hope. So what did Jesus do? He became the bridge that separated us from God. The cross is that bridge. Jesus Christ dying on that cross is what brought us back in relationship with God. But you have to have a mediator. Jesus Christ is the mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And He's the one that brings us together. He's the only one that can bring us together. There's a lot of people out there that believe in different religions. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you they're wrong. Two things can't be right. One thing is right and one thing is wrong. That's, that's the bottom line. Either the Scripture's true or it's a lie. So I'm going to believe the Scripture. And when the Scripture says Jesus is the only way, then Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6. So if John 14, 6 isn't true, then just close your Bible. If John 3, 16 isn't true, then just close the Bible. Because if there can be an error in the Bible, then there can be multiple errors in the Bible. If there's a lie in the Scriptures, then all the Scripture can be a lie. So it's either true or it's not. I choose to believe it's true. I choose to follow it. And I'm telling you, the blessing of salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day so that we could have life and that we could have it more abundantly. Place your faith. Place your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and He'll save you. It's as simple as that. Stop making it complicated. God hasn't made it complicated. Man has muddied the water. Let's just receive the blessing of salvation like God wants us to. His blessing when it comes to salvation. Number two, His blessing when it comes to supply. God's got everything you need to be a success. God's got everything you need to make it through this life. But my God, Philippians 4, shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God's got everything you need. I mean, and He provides everything you need. You know, you have, especially you that are more mechanical than I am and more handy than I am, you got tools in your house, right? I dare say that most everybody in here, most men in here anyways that have a toolbox, don't just have a hammer and a screwdriver. Now, 
for me, if it goes beyond hammer and screwdriver, I'm calling somebody else. But, you know, most people, you know, hammer, screwdriver, I mean, you got wrenches, you got a, I've got all these tools. I don't use any of them. But I know you have to have them, you know, just in case something comes up. And guess what happens? Inevitably. You have a job, you don't have a tool. You could have, my, my stepdad, he's a diesel mechanic. He, he, he worked for Snap-on for, for, for years. He has got a ridiculous, I mean, things and things. His entire garage is full of tools. I mean, tools like this and tools that are, I mean, you can't hardly pick them up. If he, you ever said this? If he ain't got it, you don't need it. You ever been in a store like that? If they ain't got it, you don't need it. I mean, that's the kind of tools you get. And inevitably, you do a job and you have to go out and buy a tool. Because you don't, you can't do the job if you don't have the right tool. Now, you can try, and you can try to, you can try to uh, jerry-rig it. You can try to do all these things. And uh, all this, uh, you, you talk to most rednecks, all you need is duct tape. Just, just give me some duct tape and, duct, duct tape and WD-40, and I can fix anything, right? And to, but literally, if you want to do it right, you've got to have the right tool. Let me tell you what God does. God knows that and gives you all the right tools. He says, God says, I want you to be the right kind of Christian. And then he gives you all the right tools. Everything you need. God has given us. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He's given us uh, the opportunity to pray. He's given us all these things that we need. Stop ignoring what you need. Use what God has given you so you can be a success. His blessing of salvation. His blessing of supply. His blessing of strength. His blessing of strength. I want you to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. But it's not your strength. It's His strength that's imputed to you that you need. If you watched any of the Olympics, the, one of them is weightlifting. Anybody see that? It's, some of these people, the, the weight they were lifting over their head... I'm thinking to myself, if that falls on you, you're dead. I mean, that's going to crush you. The stuff that they were, they, they, I, mean, I mean, the whole bar was bending in half as they were lifting over there. looks like their veins were going to pop out of their skull. I mean, they were just, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. But guess what? There's a limit. Sooner or later, somebody wins gold. Why? Because they can't pick up any more weight. <laughs> you only have so much strength. Now, you may be able to be stronger than I am physically. Because I, I, don't, I don't pick up weights that can drop on me and kill me. But we can be equal in our strength with Jesus Christ. You see, for you to be successful as a Christian, for you to be successful... In God's eyes has absolutely nothing to do with your, 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 your biceps and your triceps. It has everything to do with your spiritual strength. What you need comes from God for you to be successful. Strength. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. God gives us the power. God gives us the strength. Listen, you can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. 
The Bible, stop misquoting it. The Bible doesn't say you can do all things. That is a misquote of the Scriptures. The Bible does not tell you you can do all things. The Bible tells you you can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you. You know what it's really saying? Christ can do all things. You're limited, and so am I. But Christ isn't. He can do all things. He gives us the strength that we need to be an accomplished uh, Christian. His blessing of salvation. His blessing of supply. His blessing of strength. And His blessing of supplication. The book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter number 7. The Bible says that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is interceding for you and me. Let me tell you what we need more than anything else in our country. More than anything else in our churches. More than anything else in our homes. We need prayer. We need prayer. We're going listen, we're going to continue to go down the wrong way. We're going to continue to fail if we don't have prayer. Prayer is getting God involved. God needs to be involved in our churches. He needs to be involved in our homes. He needs to be involved in our individual lives. And that's what prayer does. Prayer gets God involved. And I'm telling you, we have become weak and anemic in Christianity today because we have pushed God and His Word away. We pushed God and His Bible away. We've pushed God and His Spirit away. We've pushed God all. We've done that not necessarily through our words, but we've done that through our works. The way we live our lives. The way that, the way that we walk and the way that we talk, we're saying, God, we don't need you. And I'm telling you, sooner or later, it's coming, church, sooner or later, God's going to get fed up. You better be glad, because I certainly am glad, that I'm not God and that you're not God. Because we'd have been fed up a long time ago. The most patient person. You ever met a really patient person? They're hard to come by, by the way. Not many patient people in the world. But I'm telling you, the most patient person can, can get impatient with people. But people are aggravating. I mean, people are... People took, Listen, people are unbelievable. They're absolutely unbelievable. Dealing with people boggles my mind. I mean, they're rude. They're bitter. They're ugly to each other. And by the way, I'm talking to the church. I'm not talking about the world. It's absolutely unbelievable to me. And then you add the world to it? Oh my goodness! While back, I was uh, Walmart had some shotgun shells, so I was in there buying shotgun shells. Well, you could only buy so many. You know how they put a limit on it. So I called. My in-laws were here. I bought the limit, and Kyle bought the limit, and I called Dad. He, they were up here. I said, Dad, get up here. I need you to buy some shotgun shells. So Dad comes up there, and of course we just live around a corner, so it wasn't a big deal, but he comes up there and, and he come, I said, I said, I need you, and I 
just, I was just right there. I wasn't trying to be secretive. I said, Dad, I need you to buy some shotgun shells. You know, that guy pitched a roll fit and refused to sell him shotgun shells because he was buying the shotgun shells for me. I mean, he acted like an absolute fool. I can't believe that you would da-da-da, like I had just stabbed his girlfriend. I'm thinking to myself, dude, calm down. It's okay. I said, Dad, don't worry about it. Went around the call, corner, called Forrest, told Forrest, come on up, buy some shotgun shells. Uh, I need some extra shotgun. I mean, really, dude? I mean, come on. Forrest came up, bought shotgun But I'm going to tell you something. He so overreacted. That's what we do. We so overreact. And then we talk about how good, good of a people we are. We talk about how kind we are to other people. Really? Is that why the waitresses hate to, 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 to wait on churches? Churches, by the way. And I'm telling you, I've talked to multiple waitresses. When they deal with, uh, say, say what you will, but when they deal with a group of people from a church and I'm in a restaurant, I, 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 I go out of my way to tip the lady extra. Because they're going to talk about what church they go to. And by the way, if you're going to be a jerk and tip nothing, don't tell them you come to Rinka Baptist Temple. Just leave that part out. Hey, oh, well, it was slow. And, and we, I get it. I get it. But you're the Christian. You're the believer. It's, you know, it's like being on the road. I give you that illustration all the time because that's my weakness is the road. Do you know what you have to be? The bigger person. You've got to be the one that actually has the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. You've got to be the one that God gives the strength to. And you've got to understand this person over here is, may not even be saved. And he's acting like the world. He's acting like he's supposed to be acting. But you're not supposed to be acting that same way. You're supposed to be acting like a Christian. You're supposed to be acting like the Spirit's living inside of you. You're supposed to be acting like what the Bible says you're supposed to be acting like. But instead, we'd lash out. Instead, we start calling names. Instead, we roll down our windows and scream out whatever we scream out. Instead, we invite them to pull over and, and do what? Go to jail? Do you know why we do those things? Because we're impulsive. And we forget that we have everything we need to be successful. Whether we're in church or on the road or at home or dealing with some bozo at work. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I know you've got to deal with people. We, we all do. I tell my children all the time, listen to me. You, it's something that's never going to end. Unless you decide to go out in the middle of nowhere somewhere and never have to deal with people again, but it's unlikely. You got to deal with people at work. You got to deal with people at church. You got to deal with people in the restaurant. You got to deal with people in the grocery store. You got to deal with people everywhere. And now more than ever before, listen to me, now more than ever before, everybody wants to mind your business. How are you going to handle it? I mean, there's screaming matches in the, in the grocery store. 
over whether you should wear a mask or not. Screaming matches. People are coming to blows over it. For, for nonsense. Absolute nonsense. So everybody wants to raise your children. Tell you how you're supposed to do. How, and they're always, inter, they're always entering their opinion on the matter. Whether you want it or not. How are you going to deal with it? It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And it's going to continue to get worse. How do I know that? Because God told us. Things are waxing worse and worse. They're not getting better and better. And so we've got to be able to understand we have have received a blessing. We have received God's supply. We have received God's strength. We have received God's salvation. We've received everything we, we need. Why aren't we acting like it? Why aren't we talking like it? Why aren't we walking like it? Because one day, you're going to be held responsible for what you do, what you say, how you react, the unforgiveness that you're holding in your heart, the bitterness that you're holding in your heart. We're going to have to answer for those one day. Or we can go ahead and get them settled now. Get them taken care of now. And let God have full reign in your heart and your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never been saved. You never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to know that God loves you. And God loves you so much that He died for you on the cross and was buried and rose again the third day so that you could have life. Are you saved? See, preacher, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning, right back down, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to go to where you are. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your prayer. Maybe you're watching by live stream, and you're, you're not saved. Can I beseech you this morning to place your faith, place your trust in Jesus Christ. He'll save you. He promised. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you are saved and you know Christ is your Savior. How you doing? How you doing spiritually? How about your walk? How about your talk? Do other people know you're a Christian? Do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Does your family know that you're a Christian? Can they tell it by your Facebook, your Instagram? Can they tell it by your social media posts? I wonder. I mean, we want all this stuff out there. We want all this stuff out in the, in the social media world, but just because you have a tag that says, hashtag love Jesus, and everything else on your Facebook looks like the world... They're not going to assume that you're a Christian. Well, you misunderstood. Preacher, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Well, that's great, but you better care what God thinks. You better care what God thinks. You won't answer to me, and you won't answer to the person sitting next to you, but you will answer to God. It's important. Receive the blessing, this blessing of supply, the blessing of strength, the blessing of everything that you need. 
to be a success. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, to instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Maybe you need to come this morning and <coughs> talk it over to the Lord. Maybe you need to come and lay it at the Lord's feet. For whatever reason, if you need to come, the altar's open. This morning you come.